I have a question for you this morning. How have you been or how are you being equipped for works of ministry? How have you been or how are you being equipped for works of ministry? So I realize it's a really weird question to ask for a lot of people. And it rarely gets asked in today's current church culture, certainly in America. The reason I don't think it gets asked much is because we often think it is the pastor who has been equipped for works of ministry. After all, the pastor's gone to seminary, done all the studying, all the preparation work. He's the professional, so to speak, and thus he's the one doing ministry. But there's several problems with this particular mindset, and they are major problems with this mindset. The first is, it makes us think that ministry is only given to the professionals, so to speak. And this is in direct contradiction of what it says in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry for building up the body of Christ. That one, two, actually two verses, is key here. He gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which is the pastor, and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry. So, by having ministry only be the pastor or the professionals, those who are hired by the church, it negates what Scripture actually says. The second major problem, it is actually outright denies that each person has been gifted by the Holy Spirit for works of ministry. And the third major problem with this is it really restricts, limits the vitality of the body of Christ. How have you been or how are you being equipped for works of ministry? Now, by the way, I can... You know, as I was preparing for this, I was kind of imagining that you might already be thinking works of ministry, but does that mean I have to teach? Does that mean I have to do evangelism? Look, I just help out around here sometimes. That's not really ministry, is it? Any of you have something like that going on right now? But here it is. God has gifted you, you specifically, and equipped you specifically for works of ministry, of being service to the body of Christ. So today, kind of the arc that we've done with the Holy Spirit, last week we worked on Trinity, this week I just want to kind of cap it off about the work of the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts. Now, before we get to the core of the message today, just some context. You see, if when you read Romans, Paul has been laying the groundwork again and again and again of how loving and how gracious and how merciful God has been to us, though we are sinners. And that God in his love and his grace and his mercy has given his only son, Christ Jesus, to suffer die, to be raised on the third day, all so that we might be declared justified, that we are declared righteous through faith in him. 
Paul has been laying that groundwork. So I'd encourage you to read Romans. Luther called it bread for the soul. So with that in mind, based in the gospel first, we're going to get into spiritual gifts. And I actually want to start with verse 6 here. Gifts of grace. It says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Verse 6 again. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So when you and I think of the word gift... You know, the easiest thing to think about are presents that we receive for birthday or Christmas or anniversaries. These are gifts that are given to us. But when we, we also use the word gift in a different way. For example, somebody is gifted in music or somebody is a gifted athlete or somebody is gifted in numbers, in math. So when we use the word gift that way, it has a different sense, right? It has a sense that they have that as a natural, innate ability. And you know this. Each one of you have different talents, have different natural gifts. I might have the gift of uh, language and communication, but I do not have the gift of foreign language. That I don't have. But in the Bible, when we talk about gifts... And specifically here in Roman, having gifts that differ, actually it comes from the word that we would know as charisma. So that word gifts here is charisma, and it's not used very much in the New Testament at all. And the word grace, by the way, is actually related to the word charisma, charis. So you have grace and gifts very much related So when we talk about gifts here, and specifically in Romans, it means a divinely conferred power or talent. Divinely conferred power or talent. I'm going to give you a little lengthier definition here because I think there's some nice meat to it. It says a favor, kindness, that which is freely given, a gift of grace, generally the effect of God's gracious working the positive blessing bestowed upon sinners, and also, in a special sense, a gift of grace imparted to an individual. So this is what God has given you through the Holy Spirit. He has given a gift of grace to you. And why do we talk about them as spiritual gifts? Because in 1 Corinthians, Paul doesn't use the word uh, that we have here as gifts. He uses the word spiritual and the spirituals. But that sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? So we just kind of combine the two together and talk about spiritual gifts. Now, if you talk spirituals or you talk gifts, it's pretty much the same thing. John MacArthur states it this way. He says, both of them just sort of emphasize the different aspects. They are gifts given by grace from God, energized by the Holy Spirit. So let's go with that. They are gifts given by grace from God, energized through the Holy Spirit. Having gifts that are, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So notice here that the emphasis 
in this particular phrase is having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That's the phrase that comes before it. Then what are we to do? Use them. That's actually the whole purpose of this sentence. Use them. It's as if the words were flashing on screen. Serve. If you have service, serve. If you have teaching, teach. The emphasis then is on using these gifts. It is an active thing of using gifts. To be a Christian is to be actively using your gifts. This is very different than what we have in our American church culture today. We have a very passive church culture. You go to church. Sometimes you ask, are you being fed? Have you ever been asked that question before? Are you getting fed? It, as if it is the one simply to serve the meal where you eat, and then it's kind of like, well, I like the meal or not. You know, part of that music I liked, this I didn't like, this was too short, this was too long, and we get into a very consumer-related mentality. Does this sound familiar at all? It's too hot, too cold, the chairs is too soft. I mean, it's like what a Goldilocks and the Three Bears, something like that. But it gets into this consumer mentality. What about this question instead? Instead of, uh, are you being fed, what about this one? How are you being equipped for works of ministry? What if we asked that question in this church instead? How are you being equipped for works of of ministry. And rather than asking the question, what gifts do you have? Because that's another one that people will say in churches, oh, what's your spiritual gift? What's your spiritual gift? And somebody might know what their gift is, somebody might not, but it's like you have a gift and then you've put it away. Do you ever do that? It's like somebody's giving you a gift and you put it in the corner and then you... My mom always called putting gifts in places like that. I put it in a safe place, which meant she couldn't remember where it was. So Heidi and I talk about that. We, when we lose something, we just say, oh, it's in a safe place. Do you do that with your spiritual gifts? Do you keep it in a safe place that you forgot what it is? You're not even sure if you're using your gift? So rather than saying, what is your gift, which is a good place to start, how about our, how are you using your gifts for works of ministry and building up the body of Christ? One is passive, one is active. See, Christianity is ultimately an act of pursuit and passion. Now, as I was writing this and preparing for this, I was also thinking what some of the reaction might be. And one of the reactions, and I know because I've talked to people, not necessarily here, but other places. Look, I've got a busy enough schedule already. How can I fit one more thing into my schedule? And then it's like your gift has become a burden. One more thing, man, I can't do that. How about this instead? Try this prayer instead. See, see what answer you get. Dear Jesus, let's be realistic about this. 
Jesus, I know you went to the cross and died for my sins and that you rose from the dead and that we may have life. I know that through the Holy Spirit you have given gifts to me, Lord, but you just don't know my schedule. Now, I know that might sound like I'm trying to guilt you into it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just trying to be realistic about how people think about using or not using their gifts. Because remember what I said, what Paul's been writing about? He says, God so loved you that he sent his son for you to die for you, that you may have life, that you may follow him, that you may work together building up the body of Christ. This is about the love of Christ Jesus given to us in the gospel message. What did Jesus ask Peter to remember? He asked Peter at breakfast, Sea of Galilee, do you love me? And then he said, feed my sheep. Do the work that I've given you. You've been gifted, Peter. I have given you something precious. Use it for the body. This is what we are to do. So being equipped, knowing that gifts are given to us by grace, now let us actually go to the spiritual gifts themselves. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So Paul has listed seven of them here. And when we take a look at this list, we want to make sure that we do not see this list as all-inclusive. As a matter of fact, if you've got your handout here, you're going to see on the back of the handout, I gave you a chart of spiritual gifts. And in this chart of spiritual gifts, you will see that each list does not contain the entire list of all spiritual gifts that some are mentioned in one place, some are not mentioned in another place. No one list contains all of the spiritual gifts. Some of them are repeated, some are not. So when we take a look at spiritual gifts in Scripture, we see a couple things. We see, first of all, that the lists are to be made as examples. That's the first thing. The way Paul lists them, he doesn't list, <clears throat> excuse me, he doesn't speak or about or list the spiritual gifts in any particular order. He used them to illustrate the gifts of grace that God has given to people. Nor was he saying exactly how each one of them are to be applied. For example, the gift of teaching can be applied in many different ways. The reason I want to loosen this up a little bit is because a lot of people are going to say, well, what is my one specific gift? And they're trying to figure that one out so much that they get frozen and don't do anything with it. Or they might say, well, I'm not even sure if I even see my gift on this particular list. And so thus, they don't do anything at all. So use this list as an example to which, by which we are guided. The second point is diversity of gift is to be appreciated. How many bones are in the human body? 200? 
Do I hear more? In the foot. Yeah, you would know that, right? About 206. 206. Now, are all the bones the same? No, they're not, right? Even your bones, which we call bones, are very different, and you have joints that work in different ways. The same thing with the internal organs, right? Your liver is not your stomach, is not your heart, which is not your spleen, which all of that. There's all diversity. And when they are working properly, properly being the key thing, then the body's healthy, isn't it? And you want all of your bones, and you want all of your joints, and you want all of your organs to be working fully the same thing with the body of Christ. There is a diversity in the body of Christ. Paul talks about that in Romans, but I also want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting with verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And, those, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, dispo, we bestow the greater honor and are unreasonable unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually its members. There's a lot in there. But basically saying each one of you comprise with your own unique talents and spiritual gifts the body of Christ. And when one does not live in the fullness of the gifts and talents, the whole body suffers. When one suffers, the whole body suffers. The Christian church, the Christian faith is essentially a corporate experience. Look, each of us has to come to faith individually, right? Each of us has to come to faith individually, but as a body you and I are all to work together building up one another for the sake of Christ. This is what we are to do. You heard no man is an island. No Christian is an island. And to say that you are a Christian lone ranger is a contradiction in terms. Here's the other thing. And this is the hardest part. This is what I have to teach again and again and again. The gifts that you have are no less than the gifts I have. And the gifts I have are no greater than the gifts you have. 
I know I stand up there. I know the role to which I'm called. And I work fully on grace alone, in Christ alone. I have feet of clay like everyone else. The gifts I have are no greater than yours, nor less than yours. The gifts you have are no less than mine, nor greater than mine. You and I have to work together as the body. This is what we are called to do. And part of my role is to equip you in your gifts and in your ministry. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. Now I want to go to a couple of two gifts now, narrow it down a little bit, that we don't think about. We often talk about, you know, the prophecy or the the tongues or the teachings. But you know what? Mercy, mercy comes up. So mercy is an essential attribute or characteristic of God. In Exodus chapter 34, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Jesus in the Beatitudes said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. The biblical meaning of mercy is so rich it's hard just to put into one word. It could be kindness, loving kindness, goodness, grace, favor, pity, compassion, steadfast love. So if you have the gift of mercy, it can show up in many, many different ways. In general, it shows up as being patient and compassionate towards others, especially those who are suffering or those who are afflicted. You might have great empathy for those who are suffering or those who are afflicted. You might be the hands and feet of those in the healing process. And the Holy Spirit has given some of you that gift of mercy to assist other people in the body of Christ who are suffering, to walk with them, to help lift their burden. You might have a gift of mercy. You just might not call it that. Typically, these people are good listeners and simply feel the need to be there for others. But let's do another one that often doesn't get talked about, craftsmanship. By the way, if you look at your list, craftsmanship isn't even on the list. And you think, whoa, it's not on the list. That's because I gave you a list from the New Testament. Do you think God did not gift people in the Old Testament? It was just a New Testament outpouring? No, no. It's from the Old Testament as well. So, Exodus chapter 31, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezael, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Now listen to this. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. How many people have ever thought of craftsmanship? 
as a gift from God. We don't. We just think, well, that's just what I do. But it is. This is a divine enablement to communicate God's glory through a variety of ways. It could be working with wood, cloth, paint, metal, other raw materials, designing and building tangible items for resource of ministry. It also might be used to develop artistic skills such as drama, writing, art, music, dance, and a variety of creativity to capture people and cause them to focus on the message of the gospel. So, you might be wondering, well, what's the difference, though, here between a talent, a natural talent, and a spiritual gift? Let me uh, tell you a story that might help illustrate it. So, during medieval times, there was a building, and the prince of the province came around to see how the people were doing in building the building. And uh, he came across a man, or th- there were three masons there, but he came across one of the masons who was just chipping large chunks from a block. He seemed very unhappy at his job. He was grumbling as he was doing it, and he was frequently looking at the sun to see when it would set so he could go home. No wristwatch. So the prince, in disguise, said, What are you doing? He said, I'm hammering away at rocks until I can be done and go home and eat. That was the first mason. So the prince then, in disguise again, walked along, and he saw the second mason. And the second mason didn't look nearly as unhappy, but he said, so what are you doing? He said, well, I'm building something for the prince. I was hired to do this. I'm trying to be uh, you know, faithful to it, but... I'll be glad when it's over. And then he saw the third mason. And so the prince went and talked to the third mason. And he said, what are you doing? And now this mason was different because he was actually seemed happy at what he was doing. And he was laying the bricks, cutting the stone, laying them. And he would often stop and look back and look at the work he was doing. And when the prince had asked him, so what are you doing? He looked at the prince and he said this, I'm building a cathedral. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, God has gifted you to build up the body of Christ, which is his temple, which is the cathedral. And when you know that you are using his gifts for his glory. There is something different there. See, I know I've been working with a number of you this past year, and some of you have really come alive in Christ, and you are now being expressive in a way that you've never been expressive before. That is the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through you using your gifts for building up the body of Christ for his glory. Does that make sense, the difference here? Look, we are all to build a cathedral, not for our glory, but for the glory of God in Christ Jesus because of the gospel message. So let's talk about this just a little bit more. 
First of all, remember, it is God who decides who receives each gift. Each member of you has received a gift. Do not go out here thinking you don't have a gift. You do. On the back of that sheet, I also gave two websites where if you want, you can take a spiritual gift assessment to help you at least start to think about this. Or if you want a paper-based form, I can also give you a paper-based form. But ultimately, you do have a gift. And it is your call to use your gift, the gift that you have received. Do not put your gift in a safe place. Use your gift. And by the way, none of us have all the gifts. We all must work together. We all must be the one body with all of our gifts being used. So the questions this morning is, how have you been or how are you being equipped for works of ministry? And I want to actually say, instead of will you, how will you use your gifts for his glory? Let's pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great love with which you have loved us in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for sending us the Holy Spirit to pour out gifts upon each one of us. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for the work that you are doing. And we ask and pray that you move mightily in our lives, all for the glory of Christ to the honor and glory of the Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. Dot com.